Amen. Good morning, church. I'm Adam. It's good to be with you this morning. How exciting to see uh, just faces, uh, new faces and old faces. Tell your neighbor you got an old face. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. We want them to come back. Um, how about, uh, I got replaced. Did you notice that? Uh, we got a couple new uh, guitarists that are younger, better looking than me. And, and uh, so that's been awesome. Uh, Ryan filled in today and he's going to be as a regular up there. And Tyler, you'll see him more. And what a blessing to see people stepping up uh, in all different ways around here. That's pretty much going to be a resounding theme today. Uh, I had a friend stop by the church and said, it doesn't smell bad here anymore. <laughs> and he said, it actually smells good. And that's because we've been getting the carpets cleaned around here. And, and uh, there's been someone doing that and just appreciate their work. And uh, God is doing something awesome here. And uh, it's just exciting to be uh, to be a part of it. So we are in week two of a series called Mission Possible. That's why we have the props here. We've got our, our mission board with all of our different ways that we're going to get to where we're going. And uh, we've got the match and we've got the dynamite that we're not going to light today. And, um, and so all of those uh, TV shows and movies, they opened up with that fuse just burning and showing the different scenes, the upcoming, the action, the problem, the solution. And God is doing that in this place right now. And so uh, I wanted, um, I just felt like he wanted to give us this series right before those two big days about just being ready for the mission. And so our mission, uh, we, we heard it last week, is to represent Jesus to the world around us. And so we used a big word last week, ambassador. Tell your neighbor, you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador for awesome. That's, that's, that's what you, you got to tell yourself in the mirror every morning, right? We are his ambassadors, and we are breaking that down into three roles. Invite, serve, and give. And so we started last week uh, that our mission was to invite. Uh, Andrew already mentioned our invite cards. Uh, myself and uh, a total of 12 muggers went mugging yesterday, and so we took out 200 of our brand new mugs, and we took out 200 invitations to our grand opening and to our Easter service and the series starting after that, and we went over to uh, the new neighborhood called Heron Crossing, and then we hit about 200 homes in, in uh, Huntington Hills. We had fun doing it, and uh, we just left them on the doors. We didn't ding-dong ditch. We, we, just, uh, we just nicely left them, got to talk to a few people. And uh, we're just praying that God just, just releases, lets people know that we're here to serve them. You'll hear that word a lot today. Um, there's only two weeks left till uh, grand opening. And so I'm feeling it. I'm a little tired. And uh, I told my friend Jason this morning, I said, I think Friday was the first day I, I really felt tired. I, like, I have this gift of being an energizer bunny. And uh, I just keep going the next day. And I got to Friday afternoon, I'm like, Man, I'm, I'm whooped. And, uh, but it's a good whooped because uh, we got the foyer, uh, the other half of the foyer knocked out this week, and we had some help out there, and so it's been exciting. But that also means it's three weeks until Easter. So who are you inviting? I love that because people will come and, and let people know it's also an, it's an opportunity to share your faith. This is where I go. You might find out that they go to a church. That's awesome. Find, get to know their story, encourage them, find out what they're doing for Easter. And if they have really good ideas, bring them to me, okay? And uh, that's how this works, cross-pollination here. This week, the mission, should you choose to accept it, is to serve. 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 4 through 7, this is our kickoff uh, scripture here. 
1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Serving is mission critical. We cannot be God's ambassadors. We cannot represent him. We cannot reach the lost for Christ without serving. It is absolutely impossible to reach the world, to reach your neighbor, to reach your family member, to reach across the street without serving And we each have an assignment. We're looking at the Apostle Paul in this series. He wrote the verses we just read. As Christ's greatest ambassador, Paul knew that serving was vital or mission critical to what God had called him to do. Do you remember Paul's assignment? He got it last week. We talked about it. If you weren't here, I'm going to tell it to you. It's important that we know it because I believe it's ours also. Acts 9.15 Uh, Paul heard this word from a man named Ananias. Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the world, and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Take my message to the world. That's the mission. Have you ever tried to tell people something? Parents, uh, can I get some amens here? I really shouldn't have to because amazingly my 13-year-old already knows it all. And I I just say, I should be asking you for help because it's just just awesome that that you really have surpassed me already. I just, it's a miracle. We should probably get you, you know, I'm, I'm being mean. I've got great kids. But have you ever tried to tell somebody something? It's exhausting. Okay? It's exhausting. I do it for a living. Have... Have you ever tried to tell? It's You are trying to convey something that you believe and understand that you, 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 you've come to know, usually the hard way or something like that, and you're trying to express it to somebody else. Why don't people like to be told stuff? Paul knew that the only way people might listen was if he served them. And honestly, if you think about, uh, if I think about why I ever sat in a, in, a, in a pew or a chair at a church and why you guys are sitting here today, there's, there's some part of you that believes this church and myself are here to serve you so you're willing to hear from the Lord in this place, in this time. If you didn't believe we were for you, you wouldn't have come in here this morning. Do you see what I'm saying? And by the way, that's true. We are here for you. That's, there's a reason why we're getting t-shirts that say that. And so once you believe that somebody cares about you, this goes back to the frustration as a parent. I birthed you, I raised you, all my money goes to you. you I've, I deserve to be listened to, right? Can you tell I have some issues right now? Okay, I need some counseling. Whew, deep breath. But seriously, as we move through life, as we take this message to people, when they believe that you 
are for them, then their ears will open up to the message. This is why I don't, I don't believe it's very productive to just tell people how terrible they are. I, I, it doesn't, I've never seen it do a whole lot of good. The, the best case for somebody to hear the truth of God is going to be out of a relationship where somebody knows that they're cared for first. And when they believe that somebody is there for them, then the ears open. Are you following me? Paul knew that the only way people might listen is if he served them. He introduces himself often in our Bible as a bondservant of Christ. If you look at the openings of Romans, Philippians, Titus, like most of the books in the New Testament, he wrote them. And he would introduce himself as a bondservant of Christ. He was so comfortable in that role because he knew he had a mission to accomplish. And he knew that the best odds of success were if he just locked in and saw his role as a servant of Christ and as an extension of that, a servant of others. The term bondservant here comes from a Greek word, doulos, and it's defined as a slave. One who gives himself up to another's will those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Here's the definition I want you to hang on to today. Devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. That's what it means to serve somebody. A servant, an attendant. Most people claim devotion to many things. Many things. I'm devoted to pick your favorite team, pick your favorite restaurant, uh, pick your favorite people. Am I on the list? I hope so. But the key here is devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. That's a whole nother level, right? Any married people in the room determined to stay married understand this concept okay so so picture this i'm enjoying a little tv by myself this comes in like microseconds. okay so i'm enjoying a little tv by myself like all of you i have my go-to shows i like cars like a crazy person so my car shows are like top gear uh the grand tour any fans of those sad okay any foodies in the house. I like no reservations. I like Triple D. I like watching me some Guy Fieri. And then he, I have to go make a giant sandwich because he just ate a giant sandwich. I like me some sports. I like nerd stuff. I like how it's made, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I can just nerd out on that stuff, right? So I'll be watching something like that. And then my beautiful wife sits down and she says this. Is there anything good on? Oh, you mean besides the show that I was watching? Come on. Who else is married in here? You know that's happened. Is there any, come Okay. I have a choice at that moment. I don't always make the right one. I have a choice to disregard my own interests and serve her. And for the record, she does the same to me. Like, I, either you love the news or you hate the news. I hate the news. I think it's anyways. So I come home usually between 5 and 6, depending on where I'm coming from, either here or my other job, and, and she, she likes the news. Wacko. 
But she'll say something like this when I come home. You know, go ahead and put something else on, right? If you want your marriage to be everything good that God designed it to be, serve. If your marriage is in trouble today, you best get serving. You will continue to waste more time, energy, and tears until you choose to disregard your own interests and serve. But, but, he, but, she, serve. It's your only way out. If you're single today and you plan on getting married someday, learn to serve. Paul covers this in Ephesians 5, 21 through 29. And further, submit. What's submit another word for? Serve. Submit, serve one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's the husband's favorite words. For wives, it means submit to your husband as to the Lord. Submit, woman. <laughs> Try that one. For as a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And then the guys like to stop reading right there. Verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. Do you see that Jesus is only asking us to do something that he did first? And so we have this picture. We have these real life day, daily activities daily exercises and learning this and failing at it and trying again the next day right we have a mission to represent god everywhere to everyone serving is mission critical this phrase here sticks out to me for a man loves who loves his wife actually shows love for himself this builds on something jesus taught in matthew 22 36 to 40 Somebody asked him, said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing to do? He answers, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Every, Jesus, or every Jewish person knows that phrase from heart. They learn it from birth. It's, it's a core of, of who they are. And then he stretches it one step further. He says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we're supposed to love ourselves, apparently. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Agape love, we, we went into depth on this in our last series, Love Is. You can catch that at our website on uh, Podbean. But agape love means self-sacrifice in the service of others. 
It cannot, therefore, be self-directed. I cannot agape love myself. Right? I can, I can tell myself how great I am. Like, oh, th- this guy's great. You really, oh, man. But the concept of sacrificing ourselves in order to serve ourselves is nonsense, okay? Now, our culture, if you haven't noticed, is always talking out of both sides of the same mouth. So here we go. If we are to believe the evolutionists and the behaviorists, we are simply animals or machines. Most of the people, it's little wonder then that most of the people I encounter have little to no self-worth. If you see somebody in a whole heap of trouble, it usually comes down for not thinking that their lives are worth anything to begin with. Right? And don't be fooled by the obnoxious people that make it a point to let you know how amazing their lives are. Oh, my children. Can you believe these darling little angels? They should be in heaven, but I'm so glad that I get to have them for 20 years apiece because they are amazing. And have you seen my husband? Have you seen my wife? They are just incredible. They're perfect in everything that they do. And my job, oh my gosh, it's just a privilege to wake up every morning. Oh, and the vacations. Oh, don't you just wish that you had five minutes of my life? And oh, by the way, I have time to stay in perfect shape and to serve the poor very annoying but don't be fooled don't be fooled they are empty on the inside propping up the value of everything in their life so that if it's added all together it might be worth something right Usually the harder somebody tries to sell themselves, the emptier they are. And so it's so hard to get past the exterior of these people because you just want to go the other way or hurt them. Don't hurt them. They're actually trying to impress themselves more than anyone else. One voice says there is no God, no creation, only existence and evolution But yet the world still wants to believe that there's this great potential in all of us. What? Self-help, if you haven't noticed, is a huge industry. All right, who's who's an 80s, 90s uh, baby? Here we go. Saturday Night Live, right? They made fun of this with a self-help guru named Stuart Smalley. Help me out here. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it people like me, right? Come on, you guys knew that one. So the world teaches that by definition, we are only the next step of progressing cells and chromosomes. I had to look up how to spell that. But our potential is still limitless. You are special. And you're special. Psychology becomes our religion as we pursue the best us. Right? How can we be just the sum of parts and special at the same time? Do you see the problem with secularism and humanism? It doesn't work. Your value will never come from serving yourself. 
a great theologian, uh, John Stott, he asks this question, how should we think of ourselves? How can we renounce the two extremes of self-hatred and self-love and neither despise nor flatter ourselves? Man, if I could write like that, somebody buy my book, right? How, how, can we, how can we get there? How can we be in between I'm the greatest and I'm nothing? How can we get in between those two things? How can we avoid a self-evaluation that is either too low or too high? The cross of Christ is our answer. The cross calls us to both, and this is still John Stott, this is too good to be me, okay? It calls us to both self-denial and self-affirmation. What do I mean by that? What does he mean by that? It means that in that cross, you have incredible value. Because there is no way that the Heavenly Father would send his once and only begotten son, his one and only begotten son, to die for you if you weren't worth something. If you weren't worth a lot. But in that same cross that gives you your value, it also gives you your purpose. Because in that same cross is a great love for the people around you. So you're not alone in being value, valued, valuable. You share in it. So the cross of Christ gives us the answer. It calls us to both self-denial and self-affirmation. Jesus loves me, and I need to love others. Do you see that? The cross is our answer to that problem. It, it, it has all of the worth we could ever hope for. Somebody loves me. Every soul needs to know that. And until they know they're loved, they're, they're, they're broken and lost. But in that value, God wants you to see that He has a heart for the person next to you, for the neighbor next door, for the family member you don't understand, even if they live in your house, or who knows. The other nationality, the other religions. He, he wants you to love them. Luke 9.23 says this. It says, And Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. You can invert that basically to say if you're not carrying your cross, you're not following Jesus. And, and he, it really is, it's there. And, and so he's calling us to this because he wants us to follow him. But he lived it. He knows what it really means to do what he did. And he's going to help us. But we have to be carrying that cross 
to be ready? Why would he ask us to do such a thing? Well, why would you keep a cross with you? Why did Jesus need a cross with him? What happened when he got to where he was going? The cross went in the ground. Jesus went up on the cross. And he gave his life for you and me. So why, why would we carry a cross around? I joke about changing a TV show like that costs me anything. But how many other opportunities come throughout my life where somebody has a need? I've got my own needs. I've got my own stuff going on. But I can choose in that moment to allow the cross to go into the ground. I can allow myself hardly compares to what Christ did for me. But I can choose in that moment, moments, to lay my life down for the person who needs it. You see why we carry a cross around? Okay. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to serve. Serving costs us something. There's, there's always something else that would better for us, right? Serving others is mission critical. It's what opens the doors and people's ears for God's message. Remember how Paul knew that he had to come in the role of a servant? He made sure not to even hardly cost the people that he served any money. He was this pastor of pastors, and half the time he was working and paying his own way everywhere. He's like, I didn't cost you anything. I didn't take anything from you. I served you. Right? He was determined to make sure nothing could get in the way of that message going out to every person he was talking to. The family church exists to welcome people home to God, his family, and his purpose. The only way that's going to happen is if there's people serving in every step of that. I want to close with a story today. Story time okay? Get your whoopee, get your snack, and get curled up. There's a kid up in uh, uh, Michigan. Young guy. First, second grade. Family didn't go to church. Things were kind of crazy in the house. Family that lived behind them asked his parents if they could take him to church with them. Went to a little Baptist church, and they said, can we take your son with us? Sure. People faithfully took him to church Sunday after Sunday. Then something happened. They moved. Well, this church, like all good Baptist church in those days, had a bus ministry. Who ever rode a church bus? Okay. Our church didn't do that. I don't know why, but no, I'm just kidding. The bus started picking him up. Didn't know anybody at church. 
but his Sunday school teacher took care of him, and the bus driver made sure he got to and from his house. One day he said yes to Jesus and asked Jesus to come into his heart. The only person he knew standing there when he was baptized was his Sunday school teacher. His family wasn't there. But the Sunday school teacher who showed up every Sunday, got the classroom ready, taught the kids the Bible, was there. She's the one that took him home that Sunday, the day that he was baptized. Years would go by had his own kids, took them to church, and at some point decided to send a thank you email to that church, that Baptist church up in Garden City, Michigan. Said thank you for serving me, a little boy who had nothing to give back to you. I have five children. Two of my sons are in the ministry. One of my daughters is in the ministry, but all my kids love Jesus. And one of them's preaching right now. I'm standing here today because a family took the time to invite my dad to church. I'm standing here today because a Sunday school teacher showed up every Sunday morning and shared Jesus with my dad. I'm here today because a bus driver who probably worked all week picking up kids for school said, I'll give one more day. I'll give one more. I'll get up early. I'll go pick up some kids. Friends, what we do with our lives is significant. You don't know where it's going to go. You don't know all the lives that are going to be touched. You don't know the value in what you share. There's a cost. There's a moment where you lay your life down, sure. But what happens after that is a ripple effect that continues and continues and continues. We cannot do this mission without serving. It, it's, it's mission critical. It's impossible. It's what opens the doors and opens the ears to hear the love of Jesus. So that a young child can say yes to Jesus in their Sunday school classroom. So this shouldn't be a church where we have to beg for help for our kids. It, it, shouldn't, be a, it shouldn't be that. It, it should be, what can I do? And, and I don't say this in a way to manipulate you. I say this in a, in a genuine affirmation of a, of a story of, of love and of serving that people have poured into me. I'm here because other people served me in Jesus' name. What a privilege to serve somebody else. What a privilege to follow Christ and to lay down our life in seemingly less ways than he did for us. Can we pray this morning? Father God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for I thank you for this mission. 
God, I thank you for those that have served you by serving me to show me that you loved me. So God, each of us is in this room today because somebody or many somebodies laid down their life either one moment or, re or repetitively, God, like that Sunday school teacher or like that bus driver or that family. God, could we see the value in the people around us? Could we see the value in the children that you're bringing to this building? Could we see the value in the lost that are hurting and don't understand why they are alive today? Could we appreciate that you died for them as well? Could we see that our mission is to serve? If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never trusted Him with your life and with your heart, He made the greatest, greatest attempt at serving you by dying for you. And if, if you want to say yes to Him today, repent, which means you're asking for forgiveness of how you've lived your life up to this point and you're choosing to follow Him from this point, that's saying yes to Jesus. There's a lot of different ways to describe it, but that's really what it is. If, if today's your day to say yes to Jesus, would you raise your hand where you're at this morning? It's the most significant thing that we do here. Just always want to make it available. And maybe you're like me this morning and, you, and you're, you're seeing the cost that other people have expended to get you to this point. Thank you, Lord, for those people. Thank you for moms and dads, for teachers, for praying grandparents, for neighbors, for whoever you've used, God. We thank you. But maybe you're realizing today that you, you want to be a part of somebody else's life being changed. We've got opportunities for that. We need... All hands on deck for those two big weeks Chrissy talked about. But beyond those two weeks where we're going to have a house full of guests and hopefully some people stay and who knows what will happen. But what does the week after Easter look like and the week after that and the week after that? Do you want to be a part of the mission to serve others? Father God, we give our hearts to you this morning. We thank you for serving us first. And we say yes to your call today. We say count us in. We accept your mission to serve the people you bring to us. We're going to give our lives away for somebody else. Amen. We're going to close in worship, but if you would, we've ended just a touch early. Chrissy's going to be brief afterwards. She's got some roles where you can plug into. I really want you to be praying about where God has for you in this place to serve and to be a part of, of, of building into other people's lives. There's a need for it, and there's a harvest in it.
uh, that is so good. Can we stand and worship?